Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Beginnings. Um, hey, before we jump into the message, I'm sure every parent knows that school is starting soon. Amen? All right? So this is what I want to do. I know. So you're like, yes. Oh, this is what I want to do. School is starting soon, and we have a lot of educators in the room, a lot of people that work at schools. They're teachers, or they're administrators, or they're aides, or you know, they volunteer. And so if you do that, Can you just do me a favor? Can you just stand up wherever you are? If you're a teacher, administrator, if you work at a school, we just want to recognize you really quick. Go ahead. And we're going to pray for you. Some of you are shaking your head. I'm so sorry. But we want to pray for you. And so please keep standing because we know that in in everywhere, school is such a huge part of our kids' lives. And you guys are Christians that are there. And, uh, And I know you're ready. I know you're ready every time you walk on a campus because there's just all kinds of things that happen, whether you're at a Christian school or whether you're at a public school, just life happens to them. And so I want to do a prayer for you. We're going to do prayer for the kids as they come back as well. But I want to let you guys know that, that we appreciate you. We remember, we love you. We'll be praying for you for the rest of this year. And whatever comes your way, you're ready for it. And that's why you're there at your school, to, to do something special, to be that light. So let's pray for them. Father. First, we want to pray for the people that are standing, God. People that are standing here representing, or maybe they're um, people in, that are not here today, but they're teachers. God, we want to pray a blessing over them. God, we want to pray wisdom over them. God, we want to pray that they're prepared every day they walk in on that campus. That God, when, when we talk about missionaries, Father, these people exemplify that. That God, as they walk into to different people's lives and different things that are going on, even different policies that might come up, that Father, these people are lights. God, they are reflections of Jesus. So God, we pray a blessing over them. We pray strength for them. God, we pray empowerment over them. That Holy Spirit, you would give them everything they need, God, as they enter into school time. And Father, we do pray for the kids that are entering into school this coming week. God, we thank you that we have an education system in America. God, that, that, that's free, that's accessible. God, we thank you for Christian schools that, that kids who, who are able, God, can come and they can have a Christian education. God, we thank you for all of these. And so, God, we pray a blessing over the kids. God, as this year they will learn and they will grow and they will, God, they will continue to move on in life. God, I pray that they would do that. God, with great teachers and administrators and parents right alongside of them, that, God, they would grow in the way and, and God, we pray they would grow closer to you. So God, we thank you for these people. God, we pray a blessing over our kids as school is about to start. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. You can be seated. I know. I'm so sorry to embarrass you. I will also be trying to contact each of you because I have some math problems I need help with. And so that would be awesome. Uh, my name is Pastor Charlie Bacar, and I am from a big family. And a lot of people are from big families. In fact, I would probably say my family isn't really big. It's probably just a normal size big. Four kids, right? So there's four of us. We're all a year apart. Um, I'm the oldest. I'm 37. I know I look 45, but I'm not. Um, 
37 and my sister's 36, my brother's 35, or my other sister's 35 and my little brother's 34. So we were all a year apart. Um, so that also meant that, yes, when I was five, it was five, four, three, two. So that, imagine that, all right? And some of you from really large families, like you just have a lot of kids in there. Maybe you have close family like me or spread apart. But my family, usually there's one quiet person in the family. And my family is full of extremely loud people. In fact, this will come as a shock to you. I am not the loudest person in my family, honestly. I, am, I, am, I don't even think I'm cracking top three, to be honest with you. Um, I have my dad, and my dad is uh, uh, from Syria, from Aleppo, and he is this big, has this huge just kind of personality about him. He's always like laughing. He has this big belly laugh, and he's just got this... I don't know if you ever met a loud Arab person, but they are great and they are awesome. And that is my father. And I'm allowed to say that because he is my dad. And so he is just this loud, just, just always kind of a life of a party kind of guy. That's my dad. And my mom is loud, but kind of loud off stage. I don't know if you've ever met that person who like never wants to go on stage, but off stage, they are just the loudest person you know, and you don't understand how come it doesn't correlate. But my mom is, is a loud person. She just like loves people. I've told you guys this, like she can have compassion over anyone. I have, my number has been given out to so many people that she's met in Lowe's that just needed help. And she just, my, my son's a pastor. I've like, it is. And I'm just, I screen him and I deny him. And I just say, I'm really sorry, mom. I'm, I'm really not that nice. Um, and, uh, that's a lie. I am. Um, and I have, so those are, those are our parents. And then there's me and you know, I'm a normal person. And then I have my sister, and, and we actually nicknamed her when she was a teenager, loudspeaker. I'm sure that had no bearing on any trauma, but, um, but loudspeaker, because my sister Francie is so loud. She was a registered nurse at a hospital and it was the perfect job because she could just boss people around all day. It was great. It was perfect for her. She yelled at people. It was awesome, all right? Now she's a mom of three kids. It's even better. And so that's my sister. And then I have my next sister, that's, that's Eve. And um, we call her Crazy Eve. And now she's Crazy Aunt Eve. And so she is just kind of like, she is loud on stage, off stage, asleep. Like she's loud all the time. She, she's like our person. She travels the world. She does all that kind of stuff. And so she was a very loud personality. And then my brother's probably the quietest of us all. He's a mechanic. And even he's the loudest in his family. And so I grew up with just this loud, noisy, always yelling, always fighting, always you know, getting into trouble kind of family. That is just what I grew up with, even at nighttime. Um, I'm going to be like, I'm going to show you what a real Christian 90s kid did at nighttime. They had this show called Adventures in Odyssey. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. Oh, it's okay. Good job. And it was the show. Some of you don't know what it is. I'm going to explain it to you. All right. It's an amazing radio show that uh, just did some Christian... Christian morals, Christian ethics, that kind of stuff, right? And every night when I went to bed, we had a cassette tape in the hallway and me and my brother shared a room and my sister shared a room and we would put on Adventures in Odyssey every night as we fell asleep. And if that tape stopped, there was silence. And I hate silence. I don't know if you have ever lived in a loud family and then it gets really quiet it's the most terrifying thing in the world, okay? If you're a parent, you're terrified because you don't know what broke or who's, you know, extremely injured. Um, 
But as a kid, you begin to hear things. So at nighttime, when Avengers and Odyssey would stop and I hadn't fallen asleep yet, I've been surrounded by all these noisy people and all of a sudden it's quiet. And that's when you really hear, um, you know, all the ghosts in your house that like are walking around all like, you know, all the things that you just have never heard before. You're convinced someone has broken into your home and they are going through your kitchen for whatever reason. Um, it's just, that's what silence can bring if you grew up in a loud family like mine. It just, it's kind of unnerving. In fact, it's kind of uncomfortable. And to be honest, it's something that's kind of permeated our culture. We don't have a lot of silence, right? Once iPhones were invented and you had music on all the time and you know how hard it was to listen to music in the 90s? Probably a lot harder for anybody older than that. But like you had to buy the CD and then you had to get the CD player that like never skipped. Remember that? Like the, and you could shake it and that was like how you impressed your friends. And um, like, like that's, it was work. You had to have that big old CD case and bring it around and swap burn CDs unless you're a Christian and couldn't do that like my mom. And so, um, and so there's just, it was a lot of work right now. It's no work at all. You can have every, every single genre and style of music at your fingertips. You have podcasts you listen to. And what's happened is silence has kind of gone away from our culture. And now when we hear silence, we can get a little uncomfortable. It gets a little weird. When we talk about solitude we, and we talk about being alone, a lot of times we associate that with loneliness. And it's like, that's the exact thing I don't want to do. There's a, whole, uh, there's a whole thing that happens to millennials and, and Gen Z and even probably older people called FOMO, which is fear of missing out. I don't want to not be a part of something. I, I, how come I didn't get invited to that thing or that thing? And you really didn't even want to go, but you just want to be invited. So you could say you couldn't go. And it was just like, it's this thing that is, and so we talk about solitude and being alone and we're like, man, that's the exact opposite I want to be. I don't want it to be quiet and I don't want to be alone. And so what do we do? We shy away from all that stuff. And we're talking about spiritual disciplines and we talked about prayer and worship. And today I want to talk to you about the discipline of silence and solitude and what scripture says about taking moments to be alone and having moments of silence and how to do that and then the fruit that comes from taking intentional moments and being in silence and solitude. So that's what we're going to do today. So if you can, get your Bibles ready, go to Proverbs. We're going to be all over Scripture today because the discipline of silence and solitude is everywhere. I doubt that you'll be able to get to every single Scripture. So have your pen ready or your phone ready and write down the Scriptures that we don't get to today. They'll be on the screen but we're going to be kind of in the Old Testament. We're going to be in the New Testament. And so just have it ready. Write down what you miss and look at it later. But uh, it, it is everywhere in the Bible. And so before we begin with the actual, the word of the Lord, can we pray really quick? Father, Father, we just want to give this time to you. God, as we talk about a discipline that is so ignored in some ways in, in our culture, in our time, that Father, we pray that we would be reinvigorated. God, that we would find the moments and the time to sit down, to be silent, to be alone with you, Father. God, we would learn how to do that, how to do that correctly. And Father, we'd see the fruits of what will come when we do that. So God, we just give you this time. Let it permeate our hearts, Father, the word of the Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. 
Now, I'm also going to preface with this. I am probably the least qualified person to be talking to you guys about silence because I am, I always talk. Like, it's a preacher thing, man. We just always have something to say. Um, we don't like awkward silence. So this, I'm going to tell you what I'm preaching here. I'm trying to practice and I'm not anywhere close to being perfect. There are people on staff that are so much better at this than me. But I think that was one of the things God was trying to teach me. He was like, hey, while you do the study, I need you to, to start practicing and doing this. And so I just want to clarify that up front really quick. Now, to have a time of silence and solitude, you need to be intentional. And when I talk about silence and solitude, and I, and I kind of gave very brief descriptions in the intro of just saying being quiet and being alone, but the, the idea of the discipline of silence is to be silent so that you can hear from the Lord. Like that's the idea. It's not just being quiet because you don't talk a lot and your wife is like, I really don't want him to be quiet anymore. It's not, not that kind of quiet. It's the, it's the intentional time to be silent before the Lord. And even in solitude, it's not like, well, I have like five minutes in the car and that's my time alone. No, it is the intention to be alone with the Father. And some of us in here are great multitaskers, right? And you're trying to envelop all of your silence and solitude time into driving or washing dishes or doing yard work. And I'm gonna challenge you, and I'm not gonna say that that's necessarily wrong, but I'm gonna challenge you right now. I want you to be a little more intentional. And this is what I mean. I have three ways that you need to think about how am I being intentional about being alone and silent before the Father. The first one is an intentional place. Where's the place that you go that you can just be alone. For me, it's my backyard. I have a, I have a backyard that I go to that, that no one, at, you know, at, at the time I do it, no one's there. And I can sit there and I'm not in front of a computer and I'm not at the dining table where I know the girls will, will come and ask me questions. I'm not anywhere where something might be going on or I might get distracted and fix something. I go to the backyard and I have a chair that I sit in and I don't look at the house, I look up at the trees and I have an intentional place that I go. So where's your intentional place? The next one is an intentional time. For me, it's early in the morning before the girls wake up. And so I'm able to get up. I get up a little earlier than everyone else and I go outside with my Bible and I have an intentional time with the Father. There's nothing else I have planned for that time. I'm not trying to do that and do something else. I'm not trying to have my, my time of silence and solitude and also fill in the blank. And so for some of you, this is where it can be a little more difficult because you're thinking, well, I really don't have a time like that. Well, you probably do. You're either not using it wisely or you're not kind of sacrificing something else to get that time. For me, it's sleep. I want to sleep. You don't think bed feels good at, you know, 530 in the morning? It feels great. But I also know, hey, that time of silence and solitude bears fruit. So an intentional time needs to be had. For you, it might be later at night. That's my wife. She, she's, she's a night person, so she can have time when everyone's in bed. She can have her time there. I'm not trying to tell you what time it should be, but it should be intentional. And the third thing, and probably the most important thing, is an intentional Posture, intentional posture. So intentional place, intentional time, and intentional posture. 
These three things matter. An intentional posture is this idea of this is why I'm here. I am here not to talk all the time to the Lord, which is like what a lot of us feel prayer is, right? Prayer is my time to get my list out and ask him for all the things that people have either asked me to pray for or that I want to pray for. And we spend that time and then we say amen and we get up and we move on. Intentional posture in a time of silence and solitude is literally a time where I'm there to be quiet and to listen and to hear and to be still. Kind of like the prophet, right? He heard from the Lord in the cave, not in the wind or the storms, but he heard him in the small whisper. And there are times where you need to be silent and have that posture of listening, of hearing, so that God can bear fruit for you past that time, okay? So again, intentional place, an intentional time, an intentional posture. Those are three things, three disciplines you have to have to have the spiritual discipline of a time of silence and solitude. Now, now I'm not a gardener by any means. And if I ever try and give you any suggestion, you just smile at me and then just walk away, okay? Because there's... I have nothing for you, okay? Honestly, my mom is great. And there are people in this room who are awesome at gardening. I was at um, my friend Kelly Martinez's house. She had, all, had a bunch of families over and we were doing water slides and stuff like that. And she had this little garden and she had zucchinis. And my daughter was just holding a zucchini and carrying it around like it was a baby. I was like, you haven't even tried that yet. She's probably not gonna like it, but she likes holding it. And, and Kelly grew that. And you can see in Kelly's little garden, there's like, um, like a little, a little net that stays over it and she has to go there she has to take care of it like like things don't just grow out of the ground and you don't get to pick them with no effort there's an intentionality in growing something in your garden and just like this in order for fruit to be bore out of your time of silence and solitude there needs to be intentionality but what fruit can come so that would be a question I would be asking myself all right Charlie if I have this time of silence and solitude what can I expect to see bear fruit from and the first thing is this wisdom when to speak that's your first point write that down one of the fruit that come from having a time of silence and solitude is wisdom when to speak I want you to look at these verses from Proverbs. Proverbs 17, 27 says this, he who restrains his words has knowledge and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. And look at this one in Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. How many of you have ever had to put your foot in your mouth? Just a lot. Go ahead, raise your hand, raise your hand. I'm gonna do the Pastor Jim thing. Look around, you're not the only one, right? Yeah, yeah. All the time, man. I'm telling you, this is, this is my thing. I will say things and then I will feel so bad for saying them. I will write you three apology text messages that day because I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I was just wasn't thinking, right? In, that, in this Proverbs, I am a fool. There is more hope for a fool than for me because I'm so hasty with my words. I'm so quick to speak. When you have a time of silence, this is one of the things I pray for. God, help me know when to speak and help me know when to shh. Because even in that, the quietness of not speaking, there is a discipline of silence. This is the discipline, honestly. The, the time of not speaking and having my alone time with the Father, I'm good at that. 
The discipline I have the hardest time with is this discipline of silence when others are around me and I just want to talk and I don't want to listen. For leaders in here and you run board meetings and staff meetings and meetings, this is so critical for us to get because there will be times in your meetings where things get uncomfortable and all you're going to want to do is say something to break the discomfort. And sometimes the Lord's going to say, I actually need you to be quiet right now. I need, you, I need you to have some wisdom right now and not say something. For you who, and, and be honest, we're actually about to enter a season of this time of wisdom when to speak because there's gonna be people that say things to you in the next year, year and a half, say things about you, say things about things that you believe in and you're going to want to defend yourself and you're gonna to want to say something and the Lord's gonna tell you, actually, I don't need you to say that. You're speaking too hastily. And just so that we're very, just on the same page, this goes for your social media pages as well. And I talk about that all the time because I believe this just so completely that what you share, just so you know, what you share is what you are saying. Now you can tell me, but I didn't say it. That was so-and-so, I just shared his stuff. I'm telling you right now, anybody who flips through your screen, including myself, believes you said that. I hear your voice, I don't hear their voice. I hear your voice saying it to me or saying it to someone else. We need to be cautious and have a time of silence and solitude so that we have wisdom of when to speak up and defend and to say and to speak and wisdom of when to know, hey, you know what? That right there, I gotta hold that back. It might be in defense for yourself it might be in defense for someone else. It might be because you're in an awkward situation and all you want to do is break the silence with a joke. You need to know when that is okay and when the Lord's telling you, actually, not, not yet. Wisdom when to speak happens when we have a time of silence and solitude. The next thing that happens, the next fruit that is born when we have a time of silence and solitude is a trust in God. I need you to go to, to, if you can, this is the one scripture I would like you to go to, these two right here. And this is in Matthew. And we're going to be all the way down in chapter 26. We're going to be at verse 62. This is near the end of Matthew so that you know that Jesus is on his way to the cross. And just so you know, if you're new to church, Jesus is amazing with his words. Like Jesus has been They've been trying to trick Jesus over and over again with different questions and different scenarios. And his words are so wise that they feel like they got him. And he always, with his words and the wisdom that he has from the Father, he can always get out of whatever situation they're trying to trap him in. And now he's on his way to the cross. And I want you to see the wisest man who ever walked the earth, the person that has got himself out of all kinds of situations, that has been so wise from the Father that as he's being accused, I want you to see his response. Verse 62 of chapter 26 of Matthew. The high priest stood up and said to him, do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the son of God. 
And Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and the coming on the cloud of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robe and it said, he is blasphemed. What further do we need of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, he deserves death. Look at these last two verses. Then they spat in his face and beat him with their fists. And then they slapped him and said, prophesy to us, you Christ, who is the one who hits you? That in these moments where Jesus has the words, he has the words. The words are in are on his tongue. They are in his mind. He has words that will get him out of this situation. He is not caught. He is not entrapped. They have not got him. Nothing. These are lies. He can prove them wrong. Why doesn't he say anything? So now I want you to go to Isaiah. And if you can't get there quick enough, that's okay. But I want you to go to Isaiah. And I want to read for you Isaiah 53, verse 7. And listen to the prophecy Isaiah gives about Jesus. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. It was prophesied so many years ago that the Christ would be silent in front of his accusers and Jesus, with the words that he could say to stop the madness that was happening, chooses to be silent. Why? Because he trusted the Lord's will over his own words. Jesus trusted the Lord's will instead of and kept silent the words that he could say to get him out of the situation. When you are silent before people, sometimes even in front of accusations, in front of total just like this is wrong and yet the Lord is telling you to be quiet there shows and is speaks so loudly about who you trust in and you can probably go back to a moment in your life where someone was saying something about you and the Lord was telling you to not say anything back I know I have years ago People were talking, people were saying stuff, people were bringing up things and all I wanted to do, I knew truth, I had evidence, I had everything I needed to create, to create what I felt either could be, could be just right, I could bring justice and truth and the Lord kept telling me, nope, I don't say anything. But God, it's true, it's fine, it's, they need to know and he kept saying no. Because, because the hurt that will come from you telling your truth will hurt my church and and I just it's not that time yet and looking back man the best decision I ever made the places I were at were healed I I wasn't known as a gossiper or as someone who who was trying to tear things down or is about himself there were so many things that happened because I knew I could stay silent. I had wisdom when not speak. And then in that time, I knew that my trust wasn't gonna be in my own words, wasn't gonna be in my evidence, wasn't gonna be in anything like that. My trust was gonna be in the Father and he was gonna shine through. When you are silent, it shows a trust in God. Number three, what happens when we have silence and solitude is we have a compassion for others there grows in us a compassion for others 
Okay, so now we're gonna be a mark. I told you we're gonna be all over the place today, so don't feel bad if you can't get there. I have cheating tabs, so I'm gonna get there quick. Um, in Mark, I want you to go chapter six, verse 30. And I'm gonna give some context here is you'll see right before that in your Bibles, if you get there, you'll see something about a John's fate recalled. And I can't get into why Mark puts John's fate recalled right in the middle of all this story. We could talk about it, but I want you to just go back up. If you can see in verse seven that he sends the 12 out. So I'm, we're going to read after they all get back. But before this verse 30, Jesus had sent the 12 outside and he said, Hey, I need you to go out and I need you to do work. I need you to go minister, talk to people about the gospel. And that's what they do, right? They even say, they say that they, he instructed them to take nothing on their journey, no bread, no bag, no money, all this kind of stuff. And they went out and preached that men should repent. They were casting out demons, all kinds of stuff. So they're doing all of this work and now they've come back. So they spent time with people preaching, casting out demons, and now they come back. And I want you to see what Jesus tells them to do. It says, the apostles gathered together with Jesus, verse 30. And they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. What does Jesus tell them to do after they do ministry? He says, we're, we're, we gotta get out of here. We have got to walk away and we've gotta have time by yourself. You got to have time by yourself. Now you'll see in the next thing, what do they do? They feed 5,000 people. They go kind of, they have a small time across the river to have by themselves. They go back into ministry. And then Jesus after ministry says, hey, why don't you guys go take off? Because he knows they're still tired. He says, why don't you guys take off before me? I'll stay back here with the people. Jesus understood, listen, when you are working with people, you need to work with people and then have a time of silence and solitude. Why? Um, I'm going to try and explain it like this. Uh, I feed, uh, feed, I give my dog Bruno water every day, every day, right? It's hot outside. I give him water every day. And what I do to give him water is I have a big pitcher and I fill it up at the sink and I pour it into his water bowl and then he drinks it and he's a labradoodle. So he has his little beard thing and it gets all over my, my kitchen and I hate it so much, but I love my dog. And I do that every single day. Go to the sink, get the water, put in his water bowl. Go to the sink, get the water, put in his water bowl. Now, what would you think if I put the water in his water bowl and I have my empty pitcher and I look at Bruno and I say, all right, Bruno, I want some water. Here's the pitcher. You would call someone for me, right? Like, wouldn't you? You'd be like, there he goes. It happened. I knew it was coming, right? There would be something. You would think that is craziness. And imagine if I put restrict, imagine if I said, hey, and actually I don't want you to get me water from the sink. I want you to somehow give me water from yourself, like your drool or your slobbered. That's just so disgusting, right? Ugh. And yet, can I tell you this? When you are doing ministry and you are pouring yourself out onto people, so many times we pour ourselves out and then we hold the cup out like, hey, are you gonna... I'm, I'm empty. Can you help? Can you help me out? Hey, I'm empty. Like, 
Like, can't you tell me something that's gonna fill me back up? Can't you give me something? And then sometimes they might even, I mean, God bless them if we do something for someone and they say thank you or they give encouragement or they say, man, you're the greatest person that ever walked the earth. And we're like, wow. And they fill our cup up, but it's not even something we want. And then we're walking around with an empty cup and we're just like so distressed. And we're like, I just don't wanna serve anymore because I guess this is just what serving is like. You just get burnt out and no one cares. Do you know how you refill your cup? In that time. You see, you're holding your cup out here to people saying, hey, fill me up. Hey, can you make me feel better about myself? Hey, can you do something for me? Hey, aren't you supposed to say thank you? Can't you appreciate me? Can't you do something for me? You're asking people to fill your cup up and the Lord's saying, hey, I need you to take a step back. I need you to come back with me. I need to fill you back up so that you can learn to have compassion for others again. That you, need, you don't need to go out to them to get refilled. They cannot fill your cup, but I can fill your cup up to overflowing. And when you do not have time for silence and solitude, when you do not have time to be by yourself and to have that time to fill your cup up, that's why some of you are struggling with serving because you just get burnt out too quick. Why? Because you're asking others to fill your cup up and not spending time with the Father, not going back to the sink and letting him fill you back up again, fill you back up again. That's why some of you are frustrated with your wives, men, Ladies, that's why some of you are frustrated with your husbands because you've been looking to them like, hey, how come you can't, you're not saying anything, you're not doing anything. You're not even serving your spouse in a way that Christ can fill you back up and serve them even better. You're just looking at them like, you're not doing nothing for me. That's why some of your marriages are struggling. You need that time of silence and solitude. And I'm going to say this, I'm going to, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to, I need to just say this for, for the other pastors on staff, just so you guys know, there are definitely going to be events that we do here. And I, and I just want to say this just kind of as the guy that I meet with every single pastor and I talk to them and I really do try and care for them. And I need to tell you this, that, that there are going to be things that we do here at the church that not all the time, every pastor is going to show up for. Do you know why? Because every day when they come in, people are texting them and calling them, asking them questions, asking them for prayer. And sometimes when something happens on a Saturday or something that, that's random, that's really important to you and that's great that it's important to you and you should be there, a pastor might not be there because I need them to have their time of silence and solitude and a Sabbath. Because if they're not getting filled back up, they're gonna be giving out empty cups. And I know that that can seem Weird, but I, I, I need you to trust me on this. That there are text messages and Facebook messages and things that you never see that are poured out all the time. And that sometimes these, these gentlemen, these ladies need that time just to fill themselves back up. Silence with the father, with, with a time with their family, with a Sabbath where they can just be with their family. And it's not because they don't care about you. It's not because they, they, they're lazy at all. It's because I asked them to do that. The last thing that I want you to see is a way, a fruit, and this is such an important fruit that is born out of solitude and silence, is comfort in the dark. Isaiah says this, in chapter 50, verse 10, who is among you that fears the Lord, 
that obeys the voice of his servant. Doesn't that sound like a good person? A person who fears the Lord and obeys the voice that walks in darkness and has no light. Whoa, that took a turn. Wait, this person that fears the Lord? Like he's doing everything right and he's walking in darkness and has no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. When you have a time of silence and solitude, go ahead, put that point up again, Reggie. There's comfort in the dark. Comfort in the dark. There's a great verse that we usually only say at funerals. And it's though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Have you ever actually looked at that verse though? Like ever thought about, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? That's, that's for some of you in here that are Christians that are doing what you're supposed to be doing and there's darkness around you. Even the psalmist will say, hey, there are times where that happens. Sometimes I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death and it's walking. It's not praying that I'm magically transported out of the valley of the shadow of death or I'm not sprinting through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes it's a walk. It's a stroll, but I'm not afraid. I have comfort there. Why? Because he's with me. That even in the darkness and there's no light, I will trust in the father. Why? Because he's with me. His rod and the staff are right next to me. And even in this dark time, even in this time that I'm struggling, even in this time where there's addiction trying to take over my life, even though there's time where my son or my daughter is far, far away from the Lord, even though there's time where I'm just so concerned with what's going on in my country and my city and my school, even though there's all this time, I'm not gonna worry. Why? He's right there with me. I got this. Victory's already won. I'm good. He's gonna be right next to me. He didn't leave me alone. It's just dark outside. I'm still okay. These times, these fruits can happen when we have these times of not always filling our life with noise, even good noise, even worship noise, even preaching noise, even great podcast noise. But when we take the time to say, all right, God, I've had enough noise in my life. I want to be silent in front of you. I want to be alone, but I'm never actually alone. I'm just gonna sit with you right now. I wanna give you a time to do that in this moment. So I just need you to really quick, check your phone, make sure nothing's, nothing's gonna, you know, you're not gonna get that weird phone call from that one person who ain't called you in like 20 years. And we're gonna have a time, just one minute. I just, I'm gonna ask for one minute of silence. I'm gonna ask that you bow your head and pray not because it makes you more spiritual. It's not like, all right, when I do that, like, you know, my chakra is all, none of that. That's not, none of that's true. But you bow your head and you pray. Why? Because I can focus. I can be alone. I can somehow get in a box where I can be, even though I'm in a crowd of a couple hundred, I can be alone with the Father. So right now, bow your head, close your eyes. I'm gonna just have us go through one minute. If you're in the foyer, same thing. In the AV room, same thing. Just one minute of silence and aloneness with the Father.
Jesus never let us ignore these moments with you. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, some of you this is, or this was, an interesting moment for you, very uncomfortable. Maybe you heard the Lord and he told you, hey, you need to, you need to get right with me. You need to get right with me. You're on the wrong path right now. I got something better for you. I got something I want to give you. And you felt that pressing or maybe you even felt just completely alone because you couldn't hear anything because you know that, that, that you have not been walking with the Father. I want to give you an opportunity today, right now, to make a decision to either come back to Christ or for the very first time in your life, choose to make Jesus who could be quiet in the midst of people spitting and cursing at him to make him your savior. So if you wanna make that decision today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, what I want you to do is I want you to raise your head and I want you to look at me right now. Just raise your head and look at me. Look right at me. Don't stop looking at me until I pass by you. Father, thank you for the two in here. God made a decision for you. God that said, I want to make you my savior. God, thank you for the moments we have together. God, it says heaven's rejoicing because their names are now written in the Lamb's book of life. God, I pray that you would empower them right now. In fact, if you had your head up, go ahead, close it again. And I want everyone to repeat this prayer with me. Father, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, be the savior of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Encourage me, convict me, show me how to be a better follower of you. Father, I pray right now that God, as we continue on with our series, as God, we continue on with our day, that God, you would be in each and every one of our lives, the savior we spend time with, we get alone with, we listen to, we would have a posture to hear what you're trying to tell us so we can live fulfillment and have life, living, encouragement. God, just something springs up from us that God, we would have this total life, eternal life within you. We thank you for that. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. This is my challenge to you. I, we did one minute, okay? The longest minute of my life. I was looking at my clock. I want you to take the challenge of adding another minute tomorrow and then another minute the next day, another minute the next day. Find your intentional place, time, and posture and just keep adding on one minute until you get to a place that you feel comfortable. I'm never gonna like give you a time, a minimum or a maximum, I'm not gonna do that. But add on a minute and make this a practice in your life. Will you stand with me? And repeat after me. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others and open up opportunities to minister outside of the church because I see what I'm looking for. 
and make me into a generous person like you. God bless you guys. We'll see you guys next Sunday. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.